0: What's going on, everybody? Welcome into the 2023 Sports Ethos Major League Baseball trade deadline. Fantasy baseball coverage. It is a very long title, uh, but we are going to be here with you for the next five hours, breaking down all the trades that happened today, everything that's happened over the last couple days. There's been a couple of moves uh, that definitely are going to move the needle a little bit for fantasy one way or the other. We're going to have about 20 different guests joining to me today good because I woke up feeling a little bit under the weather, so I'm going to need these guys to carry the weight, but we have a great group uh, starting off, and then we'll just have great groups continuing every single hour on the hour. We're joined by Marty Tallman, Frank Stanfield, John Legaza, and Jeff Erickson. I'm going to give them all a chance here to let you know uh, where you can find all of their work. Marty, how you doing, man? Let's Joe. start off with you.
1: Hey, Joe. Always uh, great to see you. Thank you for having me on here. Find me on Twitter at Marty underscore Tallman, part of the Triple Play Fantasy Baseball podcast that we do weekly and Awesome to see these guys. Haven't seen Frank since Arizona. We were listening to Mac Miller and having, you know, pretty decent barbecue for Arizona. Not known for the barbecue. Not too bad. John, Jeff, great to see you again.
0: Yeah, there was this famous place. I didn't actually get out there, but I remember Ryan Bloomfield and Bubba were talking about it. I think Jason Collette as well. There's some famous Yeah, we went to the same place. Same yep. place? Yeah. Yep. am going to hit good. that up this year for sure. Uh, They're not you're sponsoring gonna... me, so I'm not saying the name. <laughs> I'm assuming you're going to be back out there, though, this year, Marty? You're going to be back in Arizona? I'm hoping. I'm on the
1: fence right now. We'll, we'll see. But you guys will be the first to know.
0: Beautiful. Uh, Frank, let us know how you're doing. If you're going to be in Arizona and everything you got going on over at CBS. Doing very well, man. Happy to be here. Thank you for putting this together.
2: Uh, looks like I'm going to be out in Arizona, still kind of waiting for some things to be finalized, but hoping to do so. Like to see uh, you and Marty once again. It was great meeting you guys out there. Great cast of characters here. Big John Stud. we go way back. You got a legend here and Jeff Erickson. Happy to be here. Let's talk some trades.
0: Let's talk some trades indeed. Big Johnny Stud. How's it going, stuff, man? It's everybody. been
3: Yeah, really, I was saying before we jumped on. Look, it's like all the best people in the industry, and then me. Joe, <laughs> Yo, you really are one of my new favorite followers, and obviously Frank and Jeff, you guys speak for themselves. Me and Marty have some triple play blood going back. Yeah, I'm at The Athletic. I got a weekly column MLB, and we're switching over to NFL, and I have a daily betting show called Call to the Pen on YouTube every day, which, though it's betting-centric, you know, I kind of bring the fantasy swerve to it every day we're breaking down pitchers and i like to think more than anything What i always tell fantasy heads you don't want to do your matchups by the jersey and that's one of the things we talk about the show which teams to avoid and when it's not as easy as astros you know good a's bad sometimes it's the other way around so i like to add a little bit of nuance in the context get us every day 9 30
0: john you do great work every now and then i'll take a look at that sheet tail a couple of bets you got going on because you do great work over there thanks man um jeff we left the best for last. The one who's Aww. been around the longest. How you been Oldest
4: there? for last, at least. Uh, we got <laughs> that going for us. But, hey, you know, Joe, remember when we did the Reds preview in the spring? Like, oh, this is going to be the, one of the very short uh, podcasts because there's not a whole lot of things to be optimistic about. Uh, things got a little different right Pretty now. Uh, life is good. Life <laughs> is really good right now. Uh, Sam Ball is going to be the big difference maker here. I mean, I, it, that's... Uh, moving the needle a lot, but uh I am so excited uh just uh, to do this. This is super fun. Great room. Can't wait for first pitch in the fall. Uh, for people who don't know, we we used to call it Chandler Fest. Many of us still do. But first pitch Arizona is just the best three days you can spend in Arizona in November. Watching uh all these great prospects talking fancy baseball, eating good food, playing poker, hang, hanging out, having a good time. It's just Highly, highly recommend it. If you have never been, trust us. We are very inclusive. You want to come join us. I love having that. We we got a whole lot of new younger folks in the industry and not even in the industry coming to this event. Uh, so please come check it out.
0: Yeah, absolutely. I'm going to be back down there again this year. <clears throat> Last year was my first time and it was one of the best experiences I've ever had in life, you know, baseball specifically. But even just you know thinking about everything I've ever done, uh, not a lot over these 25 years, but it's definitely one of the things that stands out to me. Uh, the most you get to hang out with people, you get to have great food, like the guy said. Have a few drinks, talk with your favorite analysts. You know, you're walking down the bar and you can just ask Derek Cardi a question about his projections, and then you know, Saris is going to be there a couple seconds later and ask him a question. It's it's very surreal, especially for a young guy like myself. So definitely highest recommendations if you guys can make it out to Arizona in November. I think it's the second to the fifth uh, highest possible recommendations there. Now, I did want to talk to you guys about some of the trades that have happened. Over the last couple of days, but there's actually something that broke just as we started going live here. Uh, San Diego is acquiring Rich Hill and G Man Choi from the Pittsburgh Pirates. Does this mean anything for fantasy for you guys? Is this a situation where you know Rich Hill has, he's been like serviceable in 15 teamers, I guess? But does this you know go into a better offense? Does this make him more of a shallow league guy for any of you? Uh, let's reverse the order here and start with you, Jeff. What do you think of this trade?
4: I think the biggest indicator here is that that means that uh, Josh Hader's not going anywhere and we're not going to see any of the other big name Padres. They lost another gut punch game to the Rockies last night. They they have somehow uh, divined the most unclutched team in the history of baseball. 0-10 in extra innings. Couldn't score at the bases loaded. Nobody out last night in extra innings. Just ridiculous ending. Uh, but uh, you, nonetheless, you look at the run differential, you look at the talent on the roster, you look at you know everything there that you expect them to still be there. And I, you know, they had a great weekend against the Rangers. So I'm kind of this, this is to me is the biggest indicator is, OK, yes, they're going to go for it. Maybe it suggests, too, that uh, they're not that confident in, uh, the, you know, healthy returns for the fifth spot in the rotation. So Rich Hill slots in there. Uh, they can mix and match a little bit with G-Man uh, to, in terms of platooning. Bottom part of that lineup can help a little bit there. It, it's little things on the margins they're trying to improve. I I, I applaud that. Uh, but I please keep Seth Lugo on that rotation.
0: Yeah, he's been lights out. Uh, Even had a decent start at Coors the other day, I believe, which is kind of
4: in the rain, no less. I mean, you know, rain delay and they throw seven innings. I mean, he's he's a stud. He's striking guys out like he never has before. He's he's a stud.
0: Yeah, he's been great. I have him in a couple of leagues and he's been just excellent for me. Uh, John, what are your thoughts on this trade?
3: I mean, I'm not Richel doesn't really move the needle for me in deeper leagues, though. This is how you know you're playing too much NFPC. G Man Mm -hmm. Troy might be a viable like backup piece. You know if you can change your lineup on Monday and friday like you can in deeper leagues he's most likely going to take up that lion share dh thing they've been trying in san diego so desperately that's failed so i would imagine this is the sayonara tour for matt carpenter but remember Man Choi really notoriously very good splits i remember i was into him for like draft champions for that reason if you think he can get him for three four five games in a row against righty's career 809 ops 124 wrc plus 460 slug 350 obp against righties and we know san diego offense should forget what jeff said it should allow him the opportunity to score some runs so if you're really desperate at a ci spot Man choy could be okay right but other than that i don't know i'm not even sure this i was joking before this feels like uh subtraction by addition with the bridge goal.
0: joe you're muted there we are. Getting off to a great start here. Um, you know, like Jeff said, I think the indication is that they're not going to be selling off pieces. We saw all these crazy proposals. I don't know if you guys saw the hypothetical from somewhere that was like Blake Snell, Soto, and everybody going to Baltimore for Holiday and Kirstad and everything. I don't think that's going to be happening, even on a smaller scale. I don't know if they're going to be selling off pieces as they're bringing in Rich Hill. Not that Rich Hill is a world beater but just another addition uh, to a rotation that could use a little bit of help maybe at the back end, especially come October. Frank, uh, you have any more thoughts on this kind of, on this trade? Is there anything really that's noteworthy here for fantasy? No,
2: just echoing the same thoughts as John here, maybe in a deeper league corner infield spot, G-Man Choi, if you're struggling for power, I do think we probably see some playing time go down for one or both of Gary Sanchez and Luis Campusano. Those guys have been sharing catcher and DH duty. So Seems like uh, the strong side platoon will go to G-Man Choi there. Rich Hill in deeper leagues as a streamer, the right matchup, uh, some win potential here with the San Diego Padres, but don't really think it moves the needle much. Got to point out one thing. Seeing Jeff on the bottom here, uh, his cat hopped onto the screen. (laughs) I feel like I'm right at home because fantasy baseball today, Chris Towers and his cats are always jumping on screen and all this kind of crazy stuff. So love it. Love seeing it.
0: You love animal interaction on the show. I had Paul Spore on one time and we had to take a pause to let his dog out. I love those kind of things. Uh, they're just kind of, you know, show. I off. almost
4: muted and blanked the screen for a second so I could toss the cat out, but I thought it was more organic just to leave her in.
0: Yeah, we don't need to get the PETA people onto us this early in the broadcast. Uh, Marty, do you have any thoughts on this trade or have we covered no, it? Enough?
1: Everyone's nailed it. Uh, he was. For Rich Hill, he was uh, you know, a DC 50, somebody I would only put in if I'm super desperate at this point. I guess there's a little bit of boost because he's in San Diego. But G and G and Troy, no, thanks. Both of these, no, thank you. Yeah, I, I don't think it's a massive, especially if you're, you know, a 10,
0: 12 team league player. Uh, this trade doesn't really going to do much for you. A uh, question here from Keith in the chat, who is our director of content here at Sports Ethos. Are the Cubbies really going for it? And if they are, what in the world are they going for? It's a decent question. I don't know how competitive they're going to be in the National League. I don't know if Jimer Candelario is going to necessarily move the needle. As much as I like the move, uh, it kind of just shows maybe in a similar vein to the Padres that they're just going to be kind of competitive. They're not going to be selling off assets. They already said they're not going to trade Bellinger. I don't know what they're going for. I don't think that they're a team that's nearly strong enough to compete in the postseason. We've seen Stroman have the wheels kind of fall off recently as well. I don't know that there's going to be much trade value there, and on the other side, I don't know that there's going to be actual real life value if they keep him because I mean he's just been awful. Uh, you guys have any thoughts on what the Cubs are doing here? Let's reverse the order again, Marty. What are the Cubs doing? Is there any chance that they can
1: actually compete this year? No, I think they're doing the fake the fake buy in. You know, where they're like, you know, we tried. See, we got Candelario. Candelario. You know, we added some people, but they're not going full in to actually do something. And I think that's that's perfectly fine. It's enough to keep you know the, the fans at bay a little bit. Um, but you know, they're not selling off anything. Now with uh, Candelario, I'm worried about his overall fantasy impact going to the Cubs. Um, now obviously the, a little bit of an upgrade in the lineup, but I'm really worried about decreased plate appearances, which is crucial for him. So he's in Washington 403 of his 419 plate appearances he batted either second through fifth in the lineup. So any majority of those were at uh, in the third spot. So, I think he's going to slide in probably 6th, 7th, or 8th in that lineup, and it's going to kill all that, you know, the the ability of him to get those counting stats over the last few months. So I'm worried. I don't think the Cubs are really doing anything, and I think it's a downgrade for uh, Mr. Candyman.
0: Yeah, I mean, there's a bit of a trade-off, right? You want a better lineup of batting farther down in that lineup. Maybe he does miss the odd day here and there where he wouldn't have in Washington just because there's a deeper roster around him. Uh, Frank, what are your thoughts on the Cubs in general and the Candelario trade?
2: Yeah, they're three and a half games out of the wild card. I I think what Marty mentioned there is the fans. I think this is a move to kind of appease the fan base and kind of let them know that, you know, we're out there. We're listening. We're kind of we're making some fringy type moves here. I think it's a good real life move. Candelario has been a great player. Uh, The stack cast numbers expected numbers say he's kind of played over his head this year. So maybe some regression there coming for uh, Jamer Candelario, but. You look at the pitching staff. You mentioned Stroman. I think it's his last seven starts. He has an ERA at nine on the nose, so he's really kind of fallen off. Justin Steele has been lights out, but you know Kyle Hendricks is fine. I just I don't think this is a pitching staff that can really make much noise in the postseason. The lineup is pretty pesky. I'll give them that. It's been an awesome bounce back season for Cody Bellinger, but I just don't think that there is enough collectively for this team to really make a strong run into the postseason.
0: Yeah, I agree, John. What are your thoughts on this?
3: Yeah, I think you guys nailed it. It's mean to say it's like a veneer the the, first of all the Cubs are red red hot right now so it makes sense that they would at least say let's let's try and kindle the fire and see what's going on because I think to everything the all the points people are making about appeasing the fans is an element of that but especially when you're playing well I mean right now you know I always have my eyeball on kind of the all the different minutiae of it all the different waves right now Cubs check it out this is the last 500 plate appearances the Cubs are number one in doubles steals runs average obp ops woba and wrc plus last 500 plate appearances as a collective the cubs are like an all-star right now so i think it might have just been a matter of bad timing and i think candelar is a pretty good player he's actually upped the fly ball rate and if you know where i was going i'm like the pull power obsessed guy that's what we've seen uh, again it's it's not that it's the counter but to me it's been the rational counter to what frank was saying that at least I've found, when we're looking at players that seem to be underperforming Savant, a lot of the times, it's because they're elevating pulled fly balls, right? They're, they're pulling their elevated balls, is what I mean to say. We've seen Carol- Candelaro do that, but the environment in Washington is also really good, so I think it's a step down for him. But as far as the Cubs, I mean, you might as well go for it. That division, not to knock our Reds, Jeff but they're just okay, right? They're, they're, they're extremely streaky. Right now, it looks like the Reds are getting ready to take off again on offense, but we've seen a very ugly kind of underbelly there. It's really anybody's game in the central. Why not go for it? To Marty's point about Strowman, man, you got to hope he gets it right. I think he lost all value right now. Really tough after that start, so you might as well just push, right? You might as well push forward. Uh, Azalea's been brilliant. Bellinger's been brilliant, so I guess you have to strike while the iron is hot, but I don't expect him to really do much more.
0: Yeah, I I don't know that there really is that much for them to do. Who are they going to be paying up to acquire at this point? And I think like you guys have said.
3: Well, you got to not... find losers like the Yankees. <laughs>
0: <laughs> they're not serious. The Cubs, uh, maybe in their own heads, they might think they are. But I think we can all kind of see that they're not going to be a serious contender uh jeff what are your thoughts on the whole situation and i'll pose another additional question here with marcus stroman is he a drop for you in a lot of leagues at this point people were talking a couple weeks ago about how you know he's going to get Cy Young votes and now at this point i'm getting questions every day about dropping him so what are your thoughts on the cubs in general and stroman
4: i'd hard hard to knock a guy that got knocked around by the red hot reds first of all our reds <laughs> um but no but seriously uh one of the overriding stories of this trade deadline is the pulling back of names from an already thin market. No Otani, no pot, no Snell. Now, no Stroman. None of these guys are available. You know, the reds still need pitching. The Braves need another pitcher. The, the Rays probably still need another starter, but they're not what, what quantity is out there? Jack Flaherty. Is that it? That's pretty much the list. I feel like at, at this point in time, there'll be, you know, Verlander obviously is a big name, but the reds aren't trading for him. So we can move on from that one there. Um, you know, the other uh, implication here is with the addition of Candelario, they're going to extract wisdom and Mancini from the lineup, even though uh, wisdom stats over the last 21 days have been pretty sweet whenever he has been in there. But, uh, you know, it's just, they just don't have the room for him. I, you know, I know Cubs fans are just clamoring to get Mancini out of there. So that might be something that you'll see a little bit more frequently happen. Uh, I, I am, uh, you know, it's, it's wondering, you know, John was mentioning the Reds are slumping. Yeah. It was all, co- uh, you know, Corbin Burns and Freddie Peralta induced everything. They played them three different series in the last three weeks. They're done with the Brewers at least. Thank God. Um, you know, I just, you know, the Brewers just have owned the Reds this year, 11 and three or, le- or 10 and three against them. If I recall correctly, but, uh, yeah, I, I do think that it's going to be interesting to see the Cubs make this a last-, last push. I mean, they're the one team. If you look at run differential at all as one, one small indicator, they're the strongest team in the division. You know, and it's not the Reds. It's not the Brewers. You may look at the roster and argue otherwise in the run record, but uh, the win-loss record. But, you know, this is a team that probably deserved to try for it. And, that same, and the Padres came to the same conclusion, looking at what they have and what they've been doing so far.
0: Yeah, uh, it's been it's been fun to watch. And I think from a Cubs fan perspective like Keith is, you see them make a move and maybe you think the door's open for some more stuff. I just don't really know what else there really is out there for them to realistically – go for so i think that maybe they'll make another small move or two but nothing that's going to really put them head and shoulders above the rest of everybody else um it's interesting thing that you mentioned there with the reds and the brewers i saw a tweet yesterday i can't remember who it was about ellie de la cruz and how against every other team he's batting above 300 and the brewers have him batting sub 200 and they've really taken care of him i don't know what it is the brewers have done maybe it's just like you said running into hot corbin burns and freddie peralta Uh, But they are the only team that seems to have been able to, you know, keep the lid on what Ellie Dela Cruz has done so far this year. Uh, I got a couple of questions here in the chat. Thoughts on the Jays acquiring Hicks relative to fantasy. Short term, I think he has some value while Romano is out. And if there is potentially something more serious wrong with Romano, then we'll probably see Hicks get more of the run. But I don't think it's even set in stone necessarily that he'd get every single save opportunity ahead of a guy like Eric Swanson. Uh, Maybe even Yemi Garcia gets mixed in there. I could see it being kind of a committee if Romano does, you know, knock on wood, have to miss time. I think realistically, it's probably not going to be too long for Romano. He'll be back and he'll have the role and then everybody else will kind of just revert to their old roles. But Jeff, what are your thoughts here uh, on Jordan Hicks? Is he somebody that's going to be worth rostering in the long term? I mean, I suppose it comes down to Jordan Romano. But do you think that the Jays would just give him the reins full time as the closer should Romano have to miss a lot of time?
4: I don't know for sure, but in an area you've seen like the the thin rule that we have to pick from on the waiver wire for starting pitching, I think a pivot here is just to get good relievers that have, you know, high high Ks, maybe they get a win, they get a save here and there. I think that's another way to go and you don't get your ratios destroyed. Uh, last year I had a really good NFBC season. This year I'm having a disaster of a season and one of the big things that's a difference is I can't keep seven or eight starting pitchers healthy and rolling and pitching well. Uh last year I I went like two months without having to stream one starter, and it felt so nice. This year, every week I'm like, uh, oh, really? I'm gonna go after this guy. No. No, but he's got he's got two starts, but one of them is against the the Rockies and Cores. Uh, I might still do it because the Rockies are in the corner eating paste. I mean, I don't know. Maybe, maybe you get lucky, you get Seth Lugo, but usually you're getting someone much much worse i i think uh, one of the things i think i need to look at a little closer next year is alternatives to trying you know for roster management um and that means a guy like jordan hicks even if he's not closing maybe he's still a roster you're muted joe I
0: try, you know, this is going to be because I woke up feeling not great today, and this is going to be uh, hopefully not too many of those. I apologize there, guys. No,
4: it's all right. You only got a six hour show. It's fine.
0: Yeah, it's only six hours. we will be okay <laughs> here. The one day of the year I got to wake up with a sore throat, not feeling well, but there you are. Uh, John, what are your thoughts on the Blue Jays and the Jordan Hicks bullpen situation?
3: Jealous, mad, sour, bitter, angry, you know? No, all kidding aside, <laughs> this is how you win. This is how you win right that's how you win because again it is partly the yankee model everyone we yeah we lol the yankees are in last place but there are five games over 500 people wonder how because the bullpen closes games out you know like it's the pitching right now is so poor that you don't realize that if you can get those last nine or 12 outs you're gonna win games hicks has been excellent He's still throwing that 100 mile an hour power sinker, and he tunnels it with the four seamer. So you either get the sinker at 101 all the way down, or the fastball all the way up, and man, it rides. He's got beautiful shape on it. It's a great move by them. Whether or not Romano is down, I think he's a continue, He's a fill-in. He's a one v one fill-in, or an excellent contingency plan. And again, we all know how to win playoff games, cutting the game down. Right again, that old when the Yankees were good. They used to cut the game down. They used to think of baseball games. All right, Mariano makes eight innings, and Wetland is seven, and this guy is six. And now you're getting, right, if with Romano and Hicks, you're down to a seven-inning game against the Jays. Swanson might even be considered one of those types. So the Blue Jays are very serious right now, and you could expect that late inning luck the Padres are not finding to probably find its way into the lap of the Blue Jays. I love this move for them. I guess if Hicks is available, you should. I'm rolling it out with confidence just because We never know where injuries are going to lead us i know the romano thing doesn't seem serious and i'm not trying to doom cast any kind of serious injury but all right we've seen guys sneeze and go back to the il i would never you know laugh in the face of saves this year something jeff was talking about earlier this week they've become so seemingly impossible to add right this year oh every closer is healthy and good they're impossible to add so if you get a chance at somebody that at least could be a temporary closer for what's an ace ball club, you got to go for it. So I'd be, I'd be going pretty aggressively after Hicks. I don't know where it goes after, in two weeks, though.
0: Yeah, for, for the time being, he's definitely somebody that's got to be rostered. I think that over the next couple of weeks, we'll see how the Blue Jays really favor him, if it's him or if it's Swanson. I, I think it'll probably be a little bit of a combination, but Hicks should get you know probably the lion's share. Let's say there's five save opportunities in the next couple of weeks. He probably gets three or four of them. Um, I really like, I really like the move just to shore up the back end of the pen, because like you said, you know, in the playoffs, you need those arms and it's kind of gets, you know, undervalued. You see a team will acquire a relief pitcher and, you know, we'll pay attention to it because we're fantasy and baseball degenerates, but the average person might say, oh, okay. It's, you know, it's a relief pitcher. It doesn't do much, but in the postseason, a guy like Jordan Hicks can come in, throw 103, 104 for an inning. And sometimes he can work multiple innings could Be very valuable whether or not Romano was healthy. If you have that in the seventh inning or the ninth inning or the eighth inning or whenever it is, uh, there could definitely be some value there. Frank, do you have anything else on this Jordan Hicks move? Is there anything else that you've seen here from a fantasy point of view?
2: No, I think these guys pretty much hit on it. I, I picked up Eric Swanson this past weekend, so I'm kind of hoping it's not Jordan Hicks because yeah. I had Jordan Romano in my main event league and. You know, all of a sudden the, the closer landscape is kind of changing with injuries and a lost AJ puck. So I think people are kind of desperate right now. And uh, my guess is, is it's probably Hicks and Swanson kind of splitting for now. And if Romano has to miss extended time, then I think Hicks might kind of take over there. But the hope for now is that it's, you know, close to a minimum stay on the IL for, for Jordan Romano with that back injury. Uh, but yeah, if you held on to Jordan Hicks, if you picked him up when he was the closer for the Cardinals, I, I would say just hold for now and let's see where it
0: goes. Yeah, it's interesting, you know, a point that John made. This might be the only real week in fab if you're in the NFBC where you could make serious ground up in terms of saves. You know, there's been the odd guy throughout the year, your Ginkles and mostly Arizona being kind of in flux and and the Marlins as well a little bit. And there's been, you know, uh, the Cubs earlier on. But th- pretty much the guys that you drafted, the chalky closers have come through for you. They've mostly been healthy. Uh, they've mostly, you know, produced. There's been the odd, you know, Ryan Helsley, who hasn't, you know, he's been hurt and didn't produce that well. And maybe you drafted early and got Edwin Diaz. The most part those early closers have panned out if you're somebody who needed saves this is kind of the week for you to be doing that you're going after your gregory santos or a couple of different names another guy uh, that we got a question on in a second we're going to talk about but marty before we move on to a new topic do you have any thoughts on the whole hicks blue jays romano situation
1: well just the closing landscape in general this is the first time i can remember in a long time where that's been true where most of the closers that you drafted you know they've stayed pretty much healthy and they still have a role um day in day out so that's a shout out to that because that uh I hate spending all my fab trying to chase saves for three, four months. That's brutal. Um, Hicks uh, save plus holds leagues. Yes, a lot of people do play those leagues. He's going to be an elite option here moving forward. I love the K percentage, but the walk percentage does does kind of worry me a little bit. Twelve and a half percent at this point. Um, it was a little bit higher last year, so he's prone to the blowup. So I, I think Romano is going to remain, you know, the the old trusted vet in the back of that pen. Um, he's going to be an elite setup option once, once Romano gets back.
0: Yeah, that's kind of the worst case scenario. I think best case scenario, if you're a Hicks owner, I'm a Blue Jays fan, so I don't want to see Romano miss time. But if you are a Hicks owner, uh, you want to see him slide into that role. And I think even for the time being, if you're you know, looking for short term saves, whether it's head to head or Roto, uh, he's somebody you can pick up now for the time being. There's another guy that you can pick up as well, uh, I think. And we got a question about him. Andres Munoz is, is the biggest tr- uh, trade win from a fantasy perspective for a player who's staying put. Andres Munoz, is he a top 10 relief pitcher the rest of the way? I think he's close. I mean, we saw what he did last year. We saw what he's done this season, elite strikeout numbers. He's usually giving you elite ratios as well uh, to go along with that. And like even last year when he didn't have that closer role, he was still a really, really valuable fantasy asset, like a 40 plus percent K rate kind of guy. Is this the biggest win so far of the trade deadline for fantasy, Marty?
1: Yeah, it's one of the biggest ones. I think, yeah, he could be, he's definitely gonna be a top 10 closer. Um, I was hoping he would be the closer um, here on out. So I'm happy to see, see Wald out of here. Uh, but the K percentage is there. His stuff's absolutely nasty. Um, I like to see the Mariners turn around with their last ten, to three and seven. So, you know, we need to see that. Uh, but yeah, I think he's definitely a top ten. He could flirt with top five if the Mariners can figure out an offense.
0: Yeah, he was a follow-up question from the same guy: uh, Holmes, Hicks, and Munoz. I guess, how would you rank them? Uh, let's see,
1: yeah, Munoz first for sure. Um, Hicks, Holmes yeah i think that's you could probably
0: go either way with the last two Holmes actually has the job secured but they've also used them kind of weirdly this year uh the yankee fans can attest to that here on the panel there was times when clay holmes was coming out in the seventh inning sometimes in the i can't actually. trust anything
1: they're doing from any from the top to the bottom
0: <laughs> yeah um what are your thoughts here frank we'll, we'll go to john after and get the whole yankee perspective on this question uh how would you rank these guys and how do you view andres muñoz for the rest of the season
2: Yeah, I would put Munoz at the top of the list. I would put Holmes second because it was rocky there for a while. Back in, you know, May, he was not pitching well. But really, for the past two months, I mean, they really have gone to Clay Holmes pretty consistently. So I'll put Munoz at the top, then Clay Holmes, then Jordan Hicks at the back of that list. Uh, I think Munoz, as of now, I'd probably slot him into that, you know, end of the top 12. Maybe he's like a low-end RP1, high-end RP2. If you're looking at names like Kenley Jansen, David Bednar, Pete Fairbanks, I I think I'd probably put Munoz In that range, I don't think that it's 100% that he is just a clear-cut closer. I think he probably should be based on stuff, but I tweeted about this yesterday, and I had Mariners fans in the mentions telling me, watch out for Justin Topa, watch out for Matt Brash. There's a chance that they go with a committee approach, which we have seen at times with the Mariners in the past. I hope they don't do that. If they just give Munoz free reign, he probably is like a top 12, top 10 closer rest of season. But I would just warn people, there's a chance. There is a chance that they go with a committee approach moving forward.
0: If only real-life managers cared about our fantasy teams, then there'd be no committees. They would just all have one closer, and it would all be very neat and dry. Um, Guys, just a reminder to like and subscribe to the video if you haven't done so already. Helps the algorithm. Helps other people see it. Makes me happy. Makes everybody happy. My bosses get happy, too. So hit the like button there uh, if you haven't done so already. John, what are your thoughts on these three closers, these three relievers? I guess we don't know 100% the roles necessarily, and in particular, Andres Munoz. How do you view him for the rest of the season?
3: Well, I think Frankie and everybody nailed the order. Again, if Romano was out for a sustained time, I might have Hicks number one. Mm. But since I'm assuming Romano will be back in two weeks, I do have Hicks at the last. Uh, Frankie nailed Holmes. People are a little bit too tough on him. He's been very good, and he's getting the job. But he's getting the ball, and he's getting the job done. They have been great, but he's been fine. I think I'm the high man on Munoz because I have him like a gap ahead. I think he's got the ability to be a you know, top five, top six guy, maybe more than 10 to 12 the way he works the fastball off the sinker is insane he throws that uh, the slider I and mean, he throws a slider kind of be 60 percent of the time to a 50 percent whiff rate and if you were to just ask me like john you could build a reliever in a lab with three stats okay i'd say hmm three stats okay 33 percent k rate a 60 percent ground ball rate and has a third of a home run a home run per night right if i had three stats to create for a reliever you look at me and go well that's a bit unrealistic we'll do the best we can with what we got well that's exactly what muñoz has given you already so he's got swing and miss ability the what you know again i just want to address one thing really quick Half to my boy ryan venancio people don't overreact to these walk rates a bit much like a 10 percent walk rate is only one batter more per hundred than a nine percent walk rate you shouldn't be like nine percent walk rates great and a 10 percent walk rate is terrible." just keep in mind when you have a 33 percent strikeout rate you could paper over a bit of the lack of control remember sometimes with three balls he's physically thinking if i don't get you to chase i'm striking out the next guy i don't care right especially if there's nobody on so be careful with the walk rate i'm telling you that's everything he keeps it down keeps it in the park gets swing and miss i think munoz has the ability to be fantastic right we've kind of wish casted this on him for for a while there was a bit of injuries and then sold was good i think it's wheels up for munoz
4: yeah, I think the only ability question for him is durability, right? Uh I, I think that's that and Scott Service who is uh that's per, that's Pacific Northwest for Kevin Cash. I mean, uh that, that, that I think that's we were really gonna get
3: a disservice joke. I'm sorry. I was oh, really hey, I like
4: it. it. I, you know I'm there for that, right? Um so
3: You are like my you're my idol as far as Word Smithery goes. Sorry. I, I was like I was like do it do it do it do it. I
0: want
4: Bring it on. By after, all means. After bring we got it on. Deuce, I love it. deuce
0: Tomato the other night set the bar pretty high. That uh, was, uh, that,
4: that, that was fun. Um, um, yeah, Jen said cringe twice on that one, I think, but, uh, poor Scott, he has to put up with a lot. Um, yeah, but it's just, it, I think to Frank's point, I mean, Scott service will use other relievers at times. It's, you know, he, I heard an interview, uh, with, uh, Jerry DePoto in spring training. And one of the things they said is like, we like to use Munoz at the toughest part of the lineup whenever that comes up. So sometimes that might come up in the eighth still, and he might, they might still go that route. I think that's still a little bit of a risk.
0: We have a trade uh, from Jesse Rogers here at ESPN. The Blue Jays are acquiring Paul DeYoung from the Cardinals. Don't have a return going back yet. Let's hope it's nothing too, too big here. And we actually have a question that's you know, related right to that here uh, from Britton Allen, who's going to be on the show later on. If the Blue Jays acquire Paul DeYoung, I guess he kind of saw the writing on the wall there, is it Mason win season in St. Louis? I don't. I think Paul DeYoung's status in Toronto kind of depends on Bo Bichette. If he's going to play, will depend on yeah. how healthy Bo oh, I Bichette think is.
4: Clearly, a reaction to the injury last night. Yeah,
0: yeah. This <laughs> is kind of an insurance play. I guess they didn't really feel comfortable with you know either putting Whit Merrifield or Santiago Espinal or making some kind of switch in that regard. Or make, I mean, it, it scares kind of me work. the second
1: I saw this come across. I was like, oh no! I hope. I, all
0: right. I hope Bo is okay. I, I'm I'm worried. Um, I I don't know that this is necessarily an indication one way or the other of his status. I think this is kind of the Blue Jays just being a little bit reactionary. And you know, the third trade we've made, separate trade with St. Louis over the last week or two, uh, and no Tyler O'Neill. I was hoping Tyler O'Neill would be a part of one of these trades anyway. Uh, Jeff, what are your thoughts, uh, initial thoughts on this trade? And I guess the second part of it is, is Mason Wynn going to be coming up? Because he's got 16 homers, 16 steals, a two eighty-four batting average uh, in AAA so far this year. Is he the guy who will likely replace him uh, in St. Louis?
4: Ultimately, I don't know if it happens this year. Uh, Tommy, Tommy Edmonds coming back today, if I recall correctly. So I, I think you're going to see them try to work that in with Donovan. Uh, you know, the, Car- the Cardinals, for all their struggles this year, they, they still have a logjam of talent somehow. They still can't find everyday playing time for some of their players, Tyler O'Neill being one of them, Jordan Hicks, uh, Jordan, uh, you know, you could see Jordan Hicks was a guy that they got rid of already, but you still look at like, uh, you know, Dylan Carlson is someone they could still trade And I, I, if Dylan Carlson goes elsewhere, knowing the Cardinal trading outfielder jinx, I would be all over Dylan Carlson too, or Tyler O'Neill, whoever, whichever the case may be. But uh, for uh, Mason Wynn, I, I mean, he's clearly the guy of the future. He'll be there eventually, you know, it, it, probably September, if not now, we'll see. Uh, and I, I really think Pichette's thing is pretty bad. I'm almost certain that they they made this pretty – I don't think DeYoung was a guy they were even thinking about fully until this happened.
0: Those non-contact injuries are always very scary. He goes right to the knee. Uh, I mean, he was able to put weight on it, so there is that. He didn't just collapse to the ground. I'm trying to find anything here. I'm grasping the straws. I'm a right. You got. you got to help me out here. Uh, so I'm just kind of hoping for the best news. We'll probably hear either today or tomorrow. I'm not sure when. Uh, about, you know, what MRI results will look like. Um, Dave McDonald commenting, weren't the Jays rumored to add Tim Anderson before the bow injury? Not sure. Adam mm-hmm. DeYoung a seat warmer, says much about the injury. That's a decent point. I don't know that Tim Anderson was really going to do too much either the way he's been playing this year. Um, John, what are your thoughts on this trade as a whole and Dave's comments here as well?
3: Yeah, so I think Anderson is better than DeJong. My worry is – Yeah. My worry is – I don't know the- – I think you add Anderson regardless, right? That's a piece you see as, an, as a universal upgrade, especially buying low on what we know has been some sustained talent. The thing with Espinal is one, he's pretty good. Two, he's also pretty versatile. So to, I don't see Dejong as a replacement for Espinal. I don't think, I, I don't think he's a replacement because Espinal doesn't just play short. He's, all, he's kind of all over the place, and he's good all over the place. Dejong's not a good defender. He's more of a stick shortstop, so I, I, me and Dave are really good friends, but I, I, I don't know if I agree with that. I'm worried. I'm worried. Anderson was thought of as like an upgrade. We'll kind of figure it out. to Dijon feels more like a desperation play in case things are really bad with Bo. He could be right, but if Bo comes right back, does Dejon have a spot? That's what I think I mean to say. Mm-hmm. I think with Bo back, Anderson is still a rostered player. But with Bobak, I don't think DeJong is a roster player. And that, that makes me worried about the injury. I don't know how, like, how big
4: of an upgrade Anderson really is. I mean, Homer watch is over finally. i in the God, past. But, Yeah. <laughs> I would say uh, it gives me
1: a really big, like, Miguel Rojas to the Dodgers vibes, you know, where they just have somebody just to come over just in case one of the other guys get hurt. So I, I don't see a big role for him, unless someone, you know, that is a, a big injury there. Tim Anderson, I think, would be a very big upgrade. And I think... A new scenery because there's something going on in the White Sox uh, clubhouse. There's it doesn't gel. There's something going on him to be in a completely different uh, country <laughs> area, different teammates. It would only work well for Anderson because I root for him. He's one of my fun, um, one of my most favorite players to root for. And yeah, it's falling off quick.
0: What this might do, maybe, is lead to Kevin biggio being sent down or DFA'd or something finally because I just don't think that he is a really a proper major league player at this point maybe it's jordan luplo who goes down uh i i don't really know because i don't see de young going down and i think he's going to be on the major league roster most likely uh but he's going to have to replace somebody and i think that either going to be biggio or, or luplo unless of course we have to put the shed on the il which i'm just trying not even to think about at this point uh any other thoughts that we have on the de young trade guys frank did you properly weigh in here on the de young trade
2: yeah, I pulled up his career splits just to see if maybe this is a short side platoon situation with Brandon Belt. And in his career, Paul DeYoung batting 266, 822 OPS, 129 WRC plus against left-handed pitching. So I think that might be a natural fit here. Short side platoon with Brandon Belt. Uh, that's the optimistic view, assuming everything is good with Beau Bichette. Again, this could be insurance. I guess we'll find out you know, over the next couple of hours, the next couple of days, what's going on with Beau Bichette. The point on Mason win. I don't know how aggressive the Cardinals will be to call him up. They don't really have much incentive. They're not really playing much for the rest of this season. I think if anything, maybe we see him up in September the same way that a Gunnar Henderson or Corbin Carroll was called up last year. Keep those plate appearances down. He has rookie eligibility for next year. He can compete for rookie of the year. But I mean, he is one of the hottest prospects in baseball right now. 359 batting average, eight home runs, 1177 OPS uh, in the month of July down at AAA. So he has been awesome. I think, if anything, we see Mason win in September with the Cardinals.
0: Yeah, like you said, they're not really playing for anything. Burn a year about eligibility service time uh, probably doesn't make too much sense. It's funny, though. When you look at the Cardinals' offensive statistics, a lot a lot of it comes down to their pitching, uh, a lot of their struggles, because I, I was kind of surprised, and I tweeted it out not too long ago. They rank 7th in hits per game, 8th in batting average, 6th in on base, 7th in OPS, their 5th in home runs. Their offense has been, you know, top 10 in a lot of those big categories. And then if you look at the pitching, they're bottom five in, in almost everything. Uh, so maybe the offense, you know, they don't see the need to do anything regardless. But the offense has already kind of worked. You don't need to add Mason Win for what would be, you know, just burning a year of service time essentially at this point. Uh, Britton Allen with a comment on Marty's shirt. It is banging apparently. Uh, it, is, it is a cool shirt though, Marty. What's going on there with that shirt?
1: I don't, you know, uh, we're we'll uh, the old Sunday's best. You
0: know, Sunday's best on Tuesday just for me I appreciate it Marty <laughs> uh, this reminder again guys if you haven't already like and subscribe to the channel we're going to be here until 6pm and then if you're you know just popping in and out throughout the day you guys can get this of course later on YouTube and then it'll be out on the podcast feed as well uh, well we have a little bit of a break in terms of the breaking news as I Wait, hold
3: the- on Joe I didn't see I didn't see now the the return on the Rich Hill trade was Jackson was Jackson Wolf Yep, that's a pretty good get for Pittsburgh Again, I'm not a tremendous prospect guy, but I, you know, scouting the box scores, just keep my ear to the ground a little bit. One, this guy is a mountain. He's tremendous. He's gotta be six seven. This guy's an absolute load. But again, the certain things that lift my eyebrow, and I wanna tie it into what you mentioned about the St. Louis Cardinal struggles. This is one of the W's I am taking this year. Again, I'm having a I, don't, I shouldn't say too loud. I have a fantastic fantasy season. I, just, I, wanna, I need to soft land some of these wins, get myself in the main event before I start talking any kind of smack. But one of the W's that I am taking that, again, I think we can impose on people going forward, right, is contact, pitching. I saw that telegraph they were going to be hurting, right? We, we even extended it to very good pitchers like Sandy Alcantara could be hurt with the shift and more contact, raised batting average, raised BABIP, plus steals, increased runs. But, like, soft-tossing contact pitchers, I was terrified of everybody on St. Louis. I was avoiding that, like, the plague. That kind of came to fruition. And now, to time back, just to Jackson Wolf, this guy has had, m- like, stops in the minor leagues with a 30% K rate, single-digit walk rate, one home run per nine. You know what I mean? Again, simplest stats in Mimes. Keep it simple, stupid. That just sounds like a good trade for the Pirates, which feels a little bit out of character. Because I'm not sure, right, what's hit? Hill is and Hill and Choi are obviously long in the tooth. It's a it's a pure rental, those guys are not gonna end up with San Diego next year. Where Wolf's a, is a youngster, man. Kid's twenty four years old, so you're kinda entering the prime again, big swing and miss stuff. That could have been a really great we might look back and say that was a great trade for the for the pirates.
0: How often do we say that?
3: <laughs> it, it, did I say that? Pirate pirates? <laughs> Good pirates? <laughs> it, it, it sounds weird. Road Rude. rudes.
0: <laughs> we got another question here actually i was going to circle back and ask you guys about your favorite trades of the last couple days but there's another question here uh from mkb fantasy who's actually one of the new contributors on the palazzo podcast with michael govier uh so go check that out always a good time with govier who will be here later actually uh thoughts on my o's and who you think they get given their prospect depth or do they stay put i don't think they can stay put i think they have to do something The people expecting jackson holiday to get traded are hmm. probably going to be disappointed but I could see them trading one or two of maybe Westberg or Kowser, maybe even a, a Norby or somebody who's still down uh, and trying to bring in some starting pitching. I don't think it's going to be Verlander or anything crazy, but like an Eduardo Rodriguez or Michael Lorenzen, that would be kind of what I expect the Orioles to do. Nothing crazy. Don't you know, they're not going to break the bank. You know, I, I mentioned Spore earlier. We were talking about trade potential a couple weeks ago, and maybe the Orioles, if they really wanted to could have gone for Otani if they had put out you know, three or four of their top prospects. That ship has sailed at this point. I think that they're probably just going to be going for some starting pitching depth. What are your thoughts, though? Let's we'll start with uh, whose turn is
4: it now? At this point, is it Jeff? <laughs> sure, why not? Um, I, prepare to be underwhelmed. I think the Orioles and the Reds are in the uh, same boat as far as that goes. Uh, I think they're going to hold on dearly to hold on tight to their their higher rated prospects. I think they'll hold the Mayo. I don't think that they're going to trade Kierstad. I think Beavers will probably stay put. Uh, Norby. I, I would be surprised if any of these big name guys go. You're probably, they, they, I mean, they have deep prop, deeper prospects. They have guys in the hundreds and 200s still that those might more, be more likely to go, but don't expect a big name prospect to go here. I don't think uh, Verlander's going to Baltimore. I don't think that, you know, I don't think Erod merits a big name prospect. I think we, you know, we, this is one of the things like look at the haul that, for instance, Giolito got. Some people view like, uh you know, Caro as like a top 100 guy. You know, others disagree and think he's like 200 uh, as far as a prospect goes. So I, I wouldn't be surprised if we're, we're like, oh, that's all they got. But that's all they, you know, and both sides are going to say that the, the pitcher that goes to Baltimore and the prospect they give away. I don't think you're going to see the big swashbuckling trade.
0: Would be fun. I mean, the trade that suggested in the chat here, you know, a couple of prospects for Dylan Cease. It might make sense for both teams, but like the guy is saying, I don't see the White Sox doing that. I don't know that I see the Orioles necessarily paying up for a cease. John, what do you expect to happen here uh, with the Orioles today?
3: I think they're going to stand pat. I think you might see a couple of ancillary moves, you know, mm-hmm. a bullpen move here, there. I don't think anything major. The thing I've been really scratching my chin over was the usage of these, of the prospects. So both Couser and Westberg are both first round picks. Generally, when they get the call, they get at least a run. And I feel like neither one of them has gotten a, a good enough chance to really get going. And I wonder if this is indecision or if this was the plan. Right? It's generally not the plan. Let's bring up our first rounder and have him sit five times next week. That's, general, that's generally not the 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 plan, but that's exactly what's going on. Westberg, Westberg sits more than he plays. Couser hasn't played three days in a row since he got called up. So that maybe, I don't know, maybe that says they could move somebody, but you've got to get a fair return. I don't know. My gut says they're going to stand pat and deal with it, but I, I've been questioning the usage overall. I don't know what to get. They just seem to have like this embarrassment of riches going on.
4: Yep. I mean, we yelled about Gunnar Henderson's playing time in, in April and May. Right. And now look, uh, we we're ready that, to drop this guy. Yeah. Yeah. And so just, I think it's just a constant reminder. Hey, be patient. You know, We, I I think some people were saying it's, you know, Ellie Daler Cruz can't hit lefties after 30 plate appearances. Like, come on guys, let's slow this down a little bit here.
0: Yeah. I think that the Orioles might have a surplus of prospects to the point where they probably should make a trade. I don't know that they're going to have room for, I mean, they're going to be sporting a nine-man lineup. That is all going to be guys with less than a year of service time pretty soon, because that's what i mean, look at Kirstad, what he's doing in the minors. Uh, Norby hasn't come up. Mayo hasn't come up. They have brought up these guys and they're sitting them, it leads me to believe that you know if you're not going to have a path for them to have playing time, whether it's you know now or over the next year or so, then why not try and capitalize on the hype of these prospects before Cowser strikes out another five times and maybe get something back for him in terms of a starting pitcher. Frank, what do you, what do you think there? I think
2: that makes a ton of sense. I, I think if they really wanted to go in for it this year, which by all indications, I mean, they have a fantastic team. The bullpen is awesome. The lineup has played very well. They're all kind of gelling together right now they need a frontline starter it feels like Justin Verlander makes so much sense I don't think that they're going to wind up doing that uh and they don't have to force it because again they have this embarrassment of riches and all these prospects coming maybe they wait till the offseason and they make a big move that's probably not what Orioles fans want to hear because they're like hey let's kind of let's go for this this team is playing really well so far this season you know the weird part about the Kowser situation and Westberg and, and John I agree with you you know I want these prospects to come up and play they've had really good contributions from random players like the Ryan O'Hearn's of the world you look at his statcast page it's lit up in red right this guy is crushing yep. it this year great year from Anthony Santander Adam Frazier randomly contributing hitting big home runs against the Yankees the other day
3: Aaron Aaron Hicks. he was playing well for a while
2: though like Austin Hayes was in the batting title conversation for the American League it's crazy but like these veteran guys are getting it done so I think that's kind of what's held back. Some of these prospects, I'd love for them to go out and make a big trade. I just don't think it's actually going to happen.
0: Marty, what do you see happening today with Baltimore?
1: Uh, Top end. And I, this is one of the things I I always question is the, the motivation of the front office. Like, is this the type of front office that really does want to win? I don't know if there's more than a handful of those front offices in baseball, other than the bottom line. I think that rules everything. So If they're very lucky and they do everything right, Eduardo Rodriguez, I think, would be their prime, you know, the best they can do. Um, I think they'll hold steady, though.
0: I just don't know. Like, it would make the fan base happy, probably uh, Rodriguez or Lorenzen. But they're both guys who have been pitching over their heads this year, if we're being honest, you know. Mm -hmm. I don't know that you're going to be trusting them as the first guy out in a playoff series. Although, I guess the alternative is, you know, Dean Kramer, Kyle Gibson, Rodriguez, they Bruce they Zimmerman
3: know. is back this week. Did you know that? I just saw that now. <laughs> yeah, uh, I'm for a two stepper. Yeah.
0: Yeah. Whatever happened to John Means, too? I honestly just remembered him now. Is he, he had still a hurt? great
3: half that a couple years ago, also.
0: Is he still out? Is he still hurt? I he's guess he's still on, he on the 60 is. day. Yeah, 60-day.
3: Yeah. I think he's
2: starting up rehab in, in August here. They're they're hoping for a September return, so yeah, yeah. maybe,
0: maybe that would pitching. just be they another need, another arm. Pitching eric uh, bedard's
4: gonna be the big ad <laughs>
0: eric bedard one of the best canadians uh, that i grew up watching definitely a good shout out there uh this one will surprise me if anything comes to fruition from it but mark fine apparently reporting that teams are calling on logan gilbert i can't see logan gilbert getting moved you know he's saying what they want back jordan walker
1: uh probably yeah I, that I could be someone baltimore could go for logan gilbert because yeah. it gets him somewhere now it gets him somewhere for the future he has four years left um yeah. I mean, that would be, that would be, I think I could see Baltimore. They're one of the few teams that could do it. That,
2: that makes that makes a ton of sense. That really does. I mean, in terms of the prospects that we just, you know, wax poetic about how many names the Orioles have, it just, that make that's a perfect fit if they wanted to go after Gilbert.
0: So what would the package look like in your eyes, if it is going to be a Gilbert trade?
2: It's probably one of those front end names, like a Cowser and a Westberg and maybe a lesser prospect somewhere in there. I don't like a Joey Ortiz. I Look again, I'm, I'm not a prospect guru. That's kind of what yeah. I think it would be, but probably a front end name and another like ancillary prospect.
0: John, what do you think about this? Do you think there's any chance that Seattle actually moves Gilbert? I'm leaning no. I don't know if they'll
3: do it. That's a great trade, though, right? Yeah. You know, they often say when both sides feel like they've lost, you, you probably made a good deal, right? You shouldn't. <laughs> you want to walk away from a trade feeling like you killed them, but it's the stuff we talk about. You got to be fair. Frank feels like... I don't know if Frankie's asking for that. I don't know if I'm going there. I feel like Westberg or Cows are both, again, first-round prospects. You're talking about a decade of contributions. I don't know if I would want to go to both of them. But that's the kind of stuff that gets you Gilbert, and he's the kind of guy that would move the needle. He's got some great stuff, man. I was really high on him. I really thought we knocked him without... Not the game log people. I I remember tweeting this. I I think it was somewhere between 25 and 33 percent of his starts last year were either Yankees whenever good Boston Toronto and Houston he really had a tough go and he was very good so with a lowered competition I mean yeah I think Gilbert's great man that'd be a great move if I was Baltimore I would absolutely do it I think to your initial point Joe I think not so much that they weren't trying to compete I think this China caught him by surprise mm-hmm. they have run hot the wall ended up being the best thing they could do for the pitching staff which was the downside of the team. All the young Bucks kind of stepped up. Austin Hayes grew up all at once. Gunner grew up all at once. You know you got. They have to strike. They have I really hope they make a big splash. And again, these guys cows are they're all fun to wish casting, dream on. We don't know if they're gonna be any good. Logan Gilbert's an established starter. He's gotten it done. I would absolutely look to pull the trigger on that.
0: Well, I don't know that this is very realistic, but let's say like a, like Dave Funnel here, uh, he's an injury writer for fan tracks. Let's say he is uh, it's a Teoscar and Logan Gilbert for Kierstad, Cowser, DL Hall. Something I don't know. Am I am I am I crazy here at this point? These
3: mega don't, dream trades never work. You got to keep it. You, I'm serious. That's too much. <laughs> Plus, Kierstad really has the ability to really blow up. He's the kind of guy when he comes up, he's not going to be sitting two or three times a day. He's I hope not. he's coming up when there's room for him. He's playing every day. I just think those are too much. When you get those newspaper trades, oh and him and him and him, you keep it simple. I actually like the name that Frankie mentioned. Like. Ortiz and Cowser, or you know what I mean. That's a nice pack to bring back Gilbert. You make that swap; both teams gain and move forward. Jeff, what do
0: you expect to happen here today with the, with yeah. Logan Gilbert? Anything?
4: So the only thing I'm worse at than hypothetical trades are comps and not using puns. So uh, I, I think that it it's hard to kind of conjure up what a trade might actually look like, but I you know a Gilbert trade makes a lot more sense than a Verlander trade just because look who the owner is. It's the Angelos they're never going to make the big financial splash, especially, I I know they resolved the lawsuit, but this is still like (coughs) just at the ownership level, it's still pretty chaotic there. So I don't think you're going to get approval to do a big, a big trade like that. So I think, yeah, the Gilbert angle makes more sense. Frankly, I'd be shocked if Seattle does it. I mean, I think this is something they still can build around. Um, And I I, I wouldn't want to do it. I mean, Yeah. They're taking a call. Hey, you, you want to talk about Long and Gilbert? Yeah, sure. Let's talk about him. Okay, done. Okay, nice talk. Let's go. Um, I I think it's going to be more like that. I don't really think it happens, but then again, I'm a cynic.
0: I, I think it's kind of late in the game unless they've had the, you know, the framework for this built up for a while, and now the report's just coming out. I think it's kind of late in the day for something like this to happen. It's kind of a mm-hmm. big trade, like you said, for the Mariners to actually approve on such short notice for a guy like Gilbert who is – probably going to be, you know, it's so hard to even rank the the Mariners rotation, but between Castillo, uh, Kirby, and and Gilbert there, you're looking at a 300 monster for a long time. I don't know that they want to break that up necessarily. I know that they're kind of doing the soft sell thing with Seawald, but that's not like a full-blown... No uh, tear down by any means. I think mm-hmm. they're just kind of retooling. I don't know that trading Logan Gilbert really sets you up for success over the next couple of seasons, considering how strong he has been. Like John mentioned, last year he got screwed by the schedule. He was still really good. This year he's still been. Uh, he's not an elite pitcher, but he's a you know a solidly you a know, top twenty-five, thirty pitcher at worst. I think. Uh, trading him and I again I view everything from a fantasy point of view so maybe real life it's slightly different but I don't think it makes a hell of a lot of sense to trade him unless Baltimore is saying okay take Jackson holiday which they're not going to do
1: Bryce Miller maybe Brian Wu one of those guys mix mm -hmm. those guys in instead
0: yeah I just don't see uh, a trade today that's going to involve Logan Gilbert Uh, but it would be fun it would definitely be fun if something like that does happen uh, appreciate the kind words uh, from Mike here in the chat. I do want to give you guys a chance because we're approaching the top of the hour uh, just to remind everybody once again all the great work you guys have going on where you can be found. Uh, let's start with you, Jeff.
4: Well, it's Talk Too Much Tuesday for me. Uh, I'm going to be doing the, the pod uh, with Fred Zinke today right at the close of the trade deadline, 6 p.m. Eastern, 3 p.m. Pacific. Uh, I've got Sirius XM tonight. Uh, going to have James Anderson on. We're going to go over a lot of the prospects dealt, in addition some <clears throat> football talk, too. Uh, that's from 8 to 10 p.m. Eastern. So you uh, will be doing that. And of course, check out all of our work at Rotowire. Rotowire.com slash pod can get you a peek behind the paywall.
0: Yeah, absolutely. Go and check out everything that Rotowire has going on. Uh, John, let us know where you can be found, man.
3: Thanks so much, man. I had a blast. At John Legeza on Twitter, the app formerly known as X. Oh, the app formerly known as Twitter. Um, you catch me at The Athletic every week. I got football stuff coming as well. But I'm also doing, if you're into baseball, I'm going to be doing it hot and heavy every day, 9.30 live, Monday through Friday, call to the pen HQ on YouTube and a podcast, part of the Hammer, Rob Pizzola's Hammer Betting Network. And yeah, you know, again, for the fantasy people, man, don't be... Don't be scared of by the betting stuff because i think there's a lot of overlap and a little bit of edge again a little bit of edge because we betters just have that fixed eye on it and i've seen it resonate in my fantasy work because i'm generally the first to pick up good pictures because again the microscope is on these guys in these small sets so yeah follow us up and again joe congratulations on the joe i love it man and good luck with the mute button
0: i appreciate it. yeah yeah i'm gonna definitely need some help with the mute button i'm gonna need some help in that main event qualifier we're in together because holy shit john you have been just lapping the field. wire to
3: wire right now baby wire to wire man we'll see you're trying to chase me down but we'll see i got the soft land 130 point i got a soft land it man 100 see me in the main event next year
0: for those of you who are unaware, 130 points in a 15-team Roto League is pretty that damn is good. Uh, John, is, John is doing great work there. Speaking of another guy who's beat me in a league, Frank Stamfel in our Arizona, D.C. It's between you and Steve Weimer. You guys are just uh, beating the brakes off me at this point. I'm doing oh, pretty so well. Good. But you guys, uh, Steve, I think has 132 points. And Frank, I think you're at like 112 or something. Uh, you you done great in that league. Uh, and you're doing great work at CBS. Let us know uh, everything you guys got going on, where you can be found.
2: Yeah, I appreciate that, man. You can follow me on uh, X, I guess it's called now. You you threw me off, John. I'm thinking about Twitter. I'm thinking about X. Uh, At Roto underscore Frank, you can follow me there. You can listen to Fantasy Baseball today, five times a week. We're still going out Monday through Friday. Uh, We go live every night around like midnight, 1230 Eastern time. So if you live on the West Coast like Jeff, or if you're just up really late, you can watch us live. Uh, We are going live later today for a trade deadline special, 6.30 p.m. Eastern time. So we'll break down any other trades uh, that go down. And yeah, man, that... That DC that we drafted out in first pitch Arizona back in November, it's like we have no idea what ADP is going to look like, nothing. And I'm drafting right next to Steve Weimer, and he goes, no, I, I've won this league every year that it's been in existence. <laughs> <laughs> I'm, just, I'm drafting right next to him, and what do you know? He's dominating the league once again. He's so, so good. He he's is so good. such a good he's player. He's, like, he's, he's one of
3: the best players there is.
2: So yeah. good. I, it's November, and he's still dominating, right? Like no one knows what the player pool is going to look like ADP. And he's still out there dominating drafts. It's crazy.
0: I have Gosman, Strider, and Burns, and still he's beating me in the pitching stats. And then of course he's first in hitting mm-hmm. stats as well. It's funny. Just quickly before uh, I let you I'll let Marty tell us where we can find his work. While we're at the draft table, I was thirteenth. Uh, Steve was fourteenth, and then Frank was fifteenth. Uh, Steve jumped the gun on me. He thought it was his pick. I don't know if you remember this, Frank, and he said Garrett Cole out loud. And it was actually my pick, and I wanted Mookie Betts, and I took Mookie Betts. And everybody's like, "You should have, you should have screwed him up. You should have taken this guy, thrown off his process. Probably should have." Uh, seen the way the year has gone for Steve, because the guy is killing it. He's absolutely killing it. Uh, but Marty, let us know what's going on. Everything uh, over at Triple Play Fantasy, man.
1: Yeah. Well, really quick with the Twitter X thing. So X just I viewed as like Prince. You know, he changed his name to a symbol. We still call him Prince. So the X just means Twitter. So find me on Twitter at Marty underscore Tallman. Uh, Triple play fantasy, a baseball podcast. We do that weekly. Joe, thank you for having me on with these legends. Uh, I hope you uh, find again, find the mute button. But most importantly, I hope you feel better, buddy. Get some water. Make sure you're, uh, you're staying hydrated. We
0: need you. I got two cups of water and I got a big old cup of tea here. Uh, nice. So we should be able to get through well, the day. But I really appreciate all you guys taking the time Join us here. Uh, it's been a lot of fun, and I hope that your teams, your respective teams—New York, Detroit, and Cincinnati—all make some moves today. And I'll stay in the hunt because I know the Tigers are really in the hunt right now. Uh, sorry, Marty. I should have let you with that party shot. But uh, guys, I'm gonna have to unceremoniously boot you out of here. But we will talk again soon. I really appreciate it.